now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, I'm just going to do a quick review of uh, what we covered at Church Camp 2012. A quick review. See, if you don't come to Church Camp, we bring it to you. (laughs) So I'm just going to do a quick review uh, and then we will continue with our series on Strategy for City Transformation next Sunday. But um, almost everything we did at church camp was in the context of city transformation. And, uh, you know, one of the things that that just um, is burning in my heart is, God, how do we as a church transform the city of Bangalore? How do we do it? And we just don't want to, you know, just be a a group of people that meets here Sunday after Sunday. But we want to see our city transform. We want to see our city change. And the other thing that's really stirring in my heart, in my spirit, is is all the other cities across our nation. There are so many cities. Now, it is true that India is still, you know, uh, 30% are only in cities, 70% are in rural areas. still that way as far as India is concerned. But there is a huge migration happening from the rural parts of India into our cities. And, and, and And the... very soon there will be this whole transition, or not a whole transition, but a major transition of people from rural areas into our urban centers. And so the thing that's really stirring in my heart is, God, give us a model by which we could transform the city of Bangalore, then do the same thing across all these urban centers in India, uh, tier 3 and tier 2 and tier 1 cities. God, how do we establish the works of your kingdom in all those cities so that we can see thousands upon thousands of people come to the knowledge of Jesus and disciple. So this is really stirring in my heart. And as we are working, journeying together with this, in this, uh, we are you know, on a journey to discover how we are going to transform cities and then take it across India. Amen? Our responsibility is not only for our own city of Bangalore, but also for every city across our nation. And uh, especially all of these emerging towns and smaller cities that are, you know, that are rising up and we are responsible to go there and do something for the kingdom of God. So that's what's brewing in my heart and I'm sure in the days to come, God will help us make these things happen. At church camp, we kind of just did a review of, you know, the, 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 the word of the Lord, the theme for us, that we are a people called to manifest the glory of God. Uh, when we say we are a people called to manifest the glory of God, we are saying that we are here to reveal who God is and what He does. That's what it means, the glory of God. Who God is and what He does. We are here to manifest that. We are here to make it known so that people can see and understand 
this is our god this is who he is and this is what he does so god has called us his people believers to manifest the glory of god to put on display who god is and what he does and see that flow towards city transformation to seeing our city transformed many of the things we talked about really were in that vein of manifesting the glory of god in order to see cities transformed i'm just kind of giving you a quick overview of the things we talked about at church camp uh, we talked about our spiritual authority and how when we as believers when all of us as believers begin to move and exercise our spiritual authority that god has given to us we will actually be instrumental by instrumental in seeing the transformation of cities or communities When we talk about communities we're not only referring to geographical communities areas where you live like you know you may live in Jakur you may live in uh Koromangla you may live in whatever part of 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 Bangalore that's your community uh, as you manifest and walk in authority you can see the transformation of those communities but we're also talking about of social communities most of us almost all of us are engaged in social communities the place you work is your social community the school the college you study that's your social community and as you exercise your authority in that area you can see the transformation of that community for Jesus Christ so we looked at case studies we looked at act 16 when Paul and his team come to Philippi and how God sets things up for them. When we move into a certain area, you can expect God to set things up for you. So they come to Philippi and they spend a few days there saying, "God, what do you want us to do in Philippi? How do you want us to reach the city? How should we go about touching lives in Philippi?" And finally they find a women's group. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> they find a women's group and they meet them this women's group is meeting by the riverside. Now don't go looking for women's group. It just happened in Philippi that way, okay? So Paul goes there he and his team go they find a women's group they're meeting by the on every Sabbath they get together by the riverside for prayer. And there is a business woman. Again, see how God is using people in the marketplace. All of you in the marketplace, you are very important for the kingdom of God. It's not about the preacher who stands up here, but those of you in the marketplace, you're important in the kingdom of God. You are placed very strategically to open up the doors for the kingdom. So there God used a woman. Her name was Lydia. and uh, she was a seller of purple or or dye so she was in that dye trading business and god opened her heart up to paul's uh, team and she welcomed them and so they were you know busy sharing with them discipling them that's what they were doing at philippi initially now as this was happening there was a, a young lady in philippi who was possessed with with uh, with demonic powers she was demon possessed and empowered demonically but she controlled the entire marketplace in philippi because all the people in business would go to her to consult about their fortune are we going to be successful are we not what's going to happen tell us and so she this one demon empowered girl controlled the entire marketplace in philippi when paul and his team were going through philippi she pointed out saying these are, are the servants of the most high god She recognized that here was somebody coming in the power of God. And Paul tolerated that for a few days, but later on he turned around and he cast out that demon in that woman. The, the woman was energized by demonic powers. He dislocated that power. He said in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. Now when this woman was delivered from demonic power by the exercise of spiritual authority that all of us have, what happened was the entire marketplace was affected. 
business was disrupted. Then it no longer continued as usual because there was an invasion of the power of God, of spiritual authority into that place. People were against Paul and his team. So they, move, uh, they moved out of the synagogue and they shifted into the Ryan International, Joseph's Indian High School, European High School. They moved out. They were thrown out of the synagogue, so they started meeting in schools. In a school of a one man named Tyrannus. He ran a school, so Paul was having his meetings in that school. In Acts 16, after that woman was delivered, the whole business was, was affected at Philippi. And, and they took Paul and, and his team and put him in jail at Philippi. But even in jail, the jailer and all the people there got saved. And a strong church was established in Philippi. So by the exercise of spiritual authority, you are affecting the transformation of the marketplace, of your community. The same thing we see in Acts 19, another case study we looked at, when Paul and his team came to Phygius. This time he met a men's group. There were 12 men at Ephesians who were receptive to Paul and his team. These 12 men had received the message that John the Baptist had preached about 30 years prior. And when Paul and his team came, they were very open. So Paul preached to them Jesus Christ, got them baptized in water, got them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he was discipling them. And that's when they were meeting, and they were moved out to the school of Tyrannus. And they were meeting in a school building as they were discipling these new believers. And God was working powerfully, working signs and miracles through Paul. And uh, there were some men who recognized that Paul had authority in the name of Jesus. They tried to use their authority and uh, they were surprised when the devils uh, charged at them. But when this happened, the entire community at Ephesus, the Bible says, recognized that the name of Jesus that Paul was preaching was the ultimate authority. And that entire community turned to Jesus Christ. They brought their witchcraft, their idols and all the things that they were uh, worshipping and they put them in a bonfire and burnt it. So here once again you see how a community at Ephesus was transformed by the demonstration of spiritual authority. Amen? And God has empowered each one of us as believers to use our spiritual authority in the marketplace, take it to the marketplace, uh, go against demonic spirits, manifest the authority Jesus has given to us because that manifests the glory of God and we will see transformation of our communities, transformation of the marketplace. The next area that we spoke about at church camp was the prophetic. Simply God speaking to us and through us. God revealing his secrets to us. And when God reveals his secrets to you, you speak it into people's lives, you act on it, and that can result in the transformation of communities. A case study that we looked at was in John the 4th chapter. When Jesus was going through Samaria and he, he arrived at a well. He was thirsty. He sat down there uh, and his disciples had gone off into town to buy something from McDonald's and come back. Sorry, those days McDonald's, right? So disciples had gone off to buy some food and come back. Jesus was waiting at the well of Samaria. And here comes a woman to draw water from the well. Jesus gets into a conversation with her. He tells her, you know, I will give you water, which if you drink, you will never thirst again. So this woman is talking to Jesus saying, you know, Lord, what is this water? How can I get it? So on and so forth. And then the prophetic begins to flow. A word of knowledge begins to flow. Jesus says, go and bring your husband. And this woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus, next word of knowledge, saying, you have correctly said you do not have any husband because 
You have had five husbands and the man that you love living with is not your husband. Just a simple word of knowledge, a revelation of past and present facts in her life. That's the prophetic God revealing to you. And when Jesus spoke that word, this woman was shocked. He said, I think you're a prophet. And, uh, you know, and then she talks, about Jesus, talks to Jesus on how to worship God. And Jesus tells her, oh, you, you don't have to go to this mountain. You don't have to go to that mountain. But you worship God in spirit and in truth. And see what happens because of that one prophetic word. This woman goes back to her village and she tells her entire village, come and see a man who's told me everything I ever did. And people from that village come to meet Jesus. And Jesus speaks to them. And that entire community believes in Jesus. So one prophetic word resulted in the transformation of a community. And God can use you and me in the same way. Amen? Just one prophetic word, one revelation that God gives you can unlock the door for the transformation of an entire community. Sometimes the the word from God is for you to do something that can then result in in the furtherance of the gospel. We looked at Philip in Acts the 8th chapter. When Philip had finished his work in Samaria, the angel of the Lord told Philip, Philip, go down to Gaza, the desert place. So Philip obeys and he goes down to Gaza. And the Holy Spirit says, Philip, go join that chariot. And in that chariot was uh, an Ethiopian who was the chief financial officer to the queen of Ethiopia. A very important person. He was sitting in that chariot. Philip goes and meets him and begins to enter into a conversation. And he leads that man to faith in Jesus Christ. And see what happens. That man goes back to Ethiopia and he brings the gospel into the continent of Africa. How did it happen? One prophetic word of instruction. Go meet this man. So God can work in your life and mine. God speaks to each one of us. We just have to be sensitive to listen to him. And if God tells you, go call so and so, go meet so and so, reach out to so and so, and you do that, that one word could unlock potentially an entire community to be reached for Jesus Christ. Amen? So we as a people must learn to listen to God and respond. His words of instruction may be very simple. Call so and so. Go meet so and so. That's all he told Philip. Go join this chariot. But it was so powerful. Because there was a man of high influence. Who was reached for Jesus. And can you imagine when he, goes, when he went back to Ethiopia. What he must have done with the experience of Jesus Christ in his life. He being the chief financial officer of an entire uh, nation could then influence so many people for the kingdom of God. And it all happened with one word of instruction. Go meet this person. So the prophetic, all of us must learn to hear from God and flow in the prophetic. And as we begin to do that, God will use each one of us to unlock various parts of our city, various parts of our nation for the kingdom of God. Amen. The third area we talked about, I'm excited you don't seem to be. The third part uh, that we talked about is the anointing, which is simply the empowering of the Holy Spirit on each of our lives. All of us who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, we are empowered, we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Which is the anointing, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit 
flowing through our lives. That's the anointing. And the anointing is what the Bible says breaks the yoke and destroys burdens. So the enemy torments people. He puts all kinds of bondages and and yokes upon people. But God has called us to go to them with the anointing of God. And it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and destroys burdens. We talked about the fact that the anointing can flow through our lives. The anointing flows through you. You are a carrier of the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you reach out and pray for people, when you reach out and extend your faith toward people, for people, when you reach out and touch people, it's the anointing of God that will do the job. Amen? It's not me. It's not our ability. We are all just earthen vessels. We're just jars of clay. But it's the anointing of God, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through each one of us. And we said this, that the anointing of God flows through our gifts and grace that God has given to each one of us. Each one of you has been given gifts and grace by God. And the power of the Holy Spirit flows through those gifts and grace. Some of us have been gifted by God to sing and play instruments. So as we use that gift, the power of the Holy Spirit flows through that gift. Some of us can preach and explain the word of God. As we use that gift, the power of the Holy Spirit flows through it. Some of us have been gifted and graced by God to be teachers, businessmen, businesswomen, sportspersons, whatever gift or grace God has given you, through that gift and through that grace, the power of the Holy Spirit will flow. Amen? There is no holy gift and unholy gift. Every gift from God is good and perfect. Amen? Whatever it might be. If you have a gift given to you by God, you have a grace given to you by God, through that gift, through that grace, the power of the Holy Spirit will flow. Our responsibility is to simply exercise that gift. Just use it. Trust in God and His power will flow. You're not depending on the gift. You're not depending on that ability. You're just serving God with that ability and you're trusting that the power of God will flow through that gift and grace. Amen? And it doesn't matter what gift and grace it is. When the power of God flows through it, God will use you to break yokes. God will use that gift and the anointing flowing through that gift to break yokes and remove burdens and set people free. You say, well, I'm just a businessman. That's okay. God will use that business ability. God will use the acumen that he's given you in the marketplace to release his anointing to set people free. Think about Joseph. He was not a great preacher. He never wrote books. He never wrote songs. He couldn't sing. He was like me. No use singing. He couldn't play any instruments. Just like me. But he had one gift. He had the ability to interpret dreams. And two, he had the grace of wisdom. The gift of wisdom. To know what God wanted people to do. And God just used that. To not only take him out of prison and make him prime minister, but to deliver an entire nation and keep them safe through famine. To glorify the God of Israel. God just used that gift. A simple thing like interpreting dreams and having some wisdom. That's it. God used it. 
Potiphar said, you know, I've never seen such a man in whom the spirit of God is. Look at Daniel. He was not a worship leader. He was not a great preacher. And none of that. But he just, God had given him grace and skill and knowledge and wisdom. So some of you are engineers. Some of you are scientific people. You're like Daniel. Knowledge and wisdom. And he was just serving in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar first. And then later on in the Persian government. So he served in two governments. The Babylonian government and later on in the Persian government. And in both cases, he and his handful of friends, four of them, had such an impact on both governments. Both King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down and acknowledged there is no God like the God of Daniel and his friends. Then in the court of King Darius, the Persian government, Daniel was there. And like, like it happened so often in the marketplace, his friends wanted to put him down and, and, and get him out of his position. And they got him thrown into a den of lions. And even there, God intervened. God raised Daniel back. And King Darius said, there is no God like the God of Daniel. Amen. So you may be a businessman, you may be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, whatever. Whatever gift God has given you, the anointing of God can flow through that. And in the marketplace, you can be an agent of transformation for the kingdom of God. But you need to ask the Lord, saying, Lord, let the Holy Spirit flow through this gift and grace you have given me. Use it, Lord, for your kingdom. I'll collect my paycheck, Lord, but you use this for the kingdom. Amen? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The fourth area we talked about, just two more areas and I'll close. The fourth area we talked about was spiritual warfare. We said that every believer, all of us have been empowered by God to engage in spiritual warfare. In our combat against demonic spirits. There are two areas in which we engage with. One, we engage in one to one as we minister to people. There are lots of people. Who are oppressed by evil spirits. Who are tormented by evil spirits. And even in cities. You know sometimes we think you know evil spirits only like villages. You know when you go there. There you find all these demon possessed people and crazy people. But the fact is. In urban centers. In the middle of all of our sophistication. In the middle of all our education and all of that. There are still tons of people. Who are oppressed, troubled and possessed by evil spirits. Just that we are a little sophisticated so we know how to cover it up. But all around us our people are troubled by evil spirits. Demonic spirits or oppressed and harassed in so many different ways. And we, God wants each one of us to be agents that will carry, will engage in spiritual warfare and uh, go set people free. The reason you and I can go and exercise authority over evil spirits is because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. On the cross, Jesus conquered every devil in hell. He conquered every demonic spirit and he gave us that authority. Go enforce my victory in the lives of people. So we engage in spiritual warfare to help people. The other aspect of our engaging in spiritual warfare has to deal with engaging in, uh, in warfare for entire communities. Entire cities. As you pray for them. Maybe it's your office. Maybe it's your entire business center that you work at. Maybe it's your school, your college, your university where you're involved in. You begin to engage in spiritual warfare for them. The main reason is because 
the eyes of people have been blinded. The spiritual eyes of people have been blinded by demonic powers that prevent them from embracing Jesus Christ as the only way. And so in spiritual warfare, we want to tear down this blindness so that the light of the gospel can penetrate into their hearts. Amen? That's what we're doing in spiritual warfare. And we said the right way to engage in spiritual warfare for our communities is by doing three things. Number one is to repent on their behalf. The reason demon powers operate in a certain area is because of the lifestyle of people, the way they live. And that's why it's open. Their lifestyle, whatever they're doing, has opened up the way, uh, opened their lives up to the operation of demonic power. So we repent of their wrongdoing. You repent of idolatry on their behalf. You repent of corruption on their behalf. You repent. Second, we intercede. We pray that God will move out those demonic powers that dominate that region. We say, God, you move out the dominance of idolatry. God, you move out the dominance of corruption. God, you move out this blindness that that covers these people. We intercede for God to do that. Number three, we establish the presence of God through our praise, our worship, and our righteous lifestyle. Amen? It's the presence of God that will dislocate the dominance of demonic powers in a region. A great example is in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Where it talks about the Philistines who took the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of Dagon, their God. They thought we'll add one more spiritual item to our collection. So they take the Ark of God, which is a, which is a symbol of God's presence. And they took it into the temple of Dagon and kept it next to Dagon. The next morning they come and they find Dagon fallen on his face on the ground. So they pick up this big statue and put it back in its place. The next morning they come, they find Dagon on the ground, his arms and limbs all fractured. And they realize there's something with this Ark of the Covenant that belongs to the people of Israel. There's some power there. And this teaches us that it is the presence of God that will dislocate, dislodge the dominance of demonic powers in any region. And we as God's people must establish the presence of God through our prayer, our praise, and our righteous lifestyle. Amen? The last main thing, main highlight of our church camp was ministry by uh, Pastor Azar Muhammad, ministered on healing and deliverance and ministered to many people, many of you were there and received um, through his ministry. But I think the main key point that, that, uh, that I, I could take back looking at his ministry and his time with us was on exercising dominant faith to heal and deliver. That God has given all of us faith and we exercise that faith with force, with dominance, to dominate sicknesses and disease, diseases and to cast out evil spirits. Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you will tell the mountain to move and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. So that faith in our hearts, we speak to sickness, to disease, to demons of infirmity. Tell them to leave. And Jesus said they will leave. Jesus said in Mark 9 and 23, he said all things are possible to him who believes. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to move in. A faith that says impossible is nothing. Amen? A faith that says all things are possible. I'm a believer. And God wants us to move in that kind of faith. So simple things that all of us can do 
to be agents of transformation in our world. Walk in spiritual authority that God's given to us. Flow in the prophetic, what God reveals to you. Flow in it. Engage. Uh, let, uh, let the, expect the anointing of God to flow through the gifts and grace God has given you. Engage in spiritual warfare. Exercise faith that dominates sickness, disease. Exercise faith that brings healing and deliverance. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Before we close, is there anyone here who has not given your heart to Jesus? You're not sure whether your heart is right with Jesus, whether your sins are forgiven. Is anyone here? You're not sure? But this moment, you could pray with you and make, you, make sure you're right with God. Make sure Jesus Christ forgives your sin. Anybody here, you say, Lord, I'm not sure I'm right with Jesus. Could you put your hand up? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? Say, I'm not sure I'm right with Jesus. I'd like to get right with Jesus. I see one person there. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, I want to get right with Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just put your hand up. All right, let's just bow our heads and pray. If you put your hand up here this morning and say, I want to be sure that I'm right with Jesus. My sins are forgiven. If you put your hand up, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. Just say this will be, Lord Jesus, I accept you into my life today. Forgive all the sins I've done. Make me a child of God. And from this day, help me to follow you and you alone. I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking control. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Let's close. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness cover the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.